On today's Domain Sherpa Review, we have three professional brokers on the panel. Some interesting concepts are discussed, including the ideal time to introduce the idea of a payment plan to a buyer, some benefits of a payment plan, but to buyer, to seller, and to broker that you may never have considered before. They also discuss an anti-disparagement clause in domain acquisition contracts that's really fascinating and I think would be great for the industry. Listen to the show. There are lots of little gems here and there and a lot of fun the whole way along. Enjoy. Hey, Sherpa Network, thanks for joining us. I'm Tess Diaz, executive producer of DomainSherpa.com, and today we're doing the Domain Sherpa Review. This is the show where we get into the minds of successful domain name investors using real examples so we can learn strategies and tactics to become better investors ourselves. We will have three segments to today's review. First, we'll discuss what the Sherpas recently bought or sold with the other Sherpas guessing the prices. Next, we'll discuss in value an investor-submitted domain name portfolio. And finally, we'll preview some domains going to auction soon at namejet.com and whether the Sherpas think they're a good investment opportunity for you. Today, we are delighted to have one OG Sherpa and two brand new Sherpas. Uh, Drew Rosner, Media Options. Hello, how you doing? Doing great. Good Great to have you back after a couple weeks uh, absence. Yeah, we missed you and your familiar face. Uh, Bill Sweetman, you are a very familiar face. We are totally shocked that uh, this is your first time on the Sherpa Review panel. So Bill is founder of Name Ninja Domain Buyer Brokerage. Bill, you are um, such a great uh, host and uh, friendly person that you frequently um, do quite a bit at the different domain conferences, right? That's right. I uh, have been the one of the moderators of uh, NamesCon. I think this past January was my sixth year doing that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you know everybody, and you belong here on this panel because not only are you great at moderating, you um, have so much knowledge from your years uh, with your buyer brokerage firm as well. And Brian Harbin, welcome for the first time on Domain Sherpa. Uh, Brian is broker at gritbrokerage.com. Brian, I love the connotation of grit brokerage and the shout out to the South. Uh, you're joining us from Florida today. That's right, Jacksonville, Florida. So definitely appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, delighted to have you, um, Brian. We've really appreciated getting to know you over the last few years. How long have you been um, brokering domain names? Yeah, so it would have been the summer of 2014. So coming up on five years. Yep. Okay, yeah. And you've really made some waves, uh, made a good splash here in the industry. And it is uh, very good to have you stepping up where you belong with the Sherpas. So welcome to each of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we thought we'd take it easy on you and have Drew go first. When we jump in here, the first segment of our show is what's new Sherpas. Um, so we're going to discuss one purchase or sale that you've made over the past few weeks. The purpose of this is um, to discuss the market a little bit, to have some fun with each other, and also for our listeners, the Sherpa Network, 
they get to learn a little bit of how different brokers see domains, domain name values, and the market right now a little differently and why. So, um, so Drew, tell us a name that you have uh, purchased or sold in the last few weeks, but don't tell us the price. So uh, I'm going to switch it up. I almost 100% of the time talk about domain. Actually, I think the last time I was on, I talked about a sale as well. Um, I, we just sold a name. It was a name that we owned. Uh, and so I feel comfortable talking about it. There was no NDA involved. And, uh, and I think it was, a, you know, I think it was a good price uh, for the name. And it was a very quick turnaround. So that's why I'm going to you know, talk about that instead of a, uh, instead of a purchase. Good info, uh, the except the hint. No, he, no there's no hint. No hint. Shippa, but they're not new to this. They don't need any hints, Drew. I'm a black box in a variable. Nobody, it doesn't mean <laughs> anything to anybody. Uh, immutable.com. I-M-M-U-T-A-B-L-E. Immutable. Immutable. Definition Sounds like is, a spelling bee. Is, you can't, yeah, kind of. You can't, um, you know, can't be uh, manipulated, edited. It's uh, written in stone. All it's right. A, it's a, well, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Okay. okay. And this was a sale. So a media options owned domain that Correct. you sold. Correct. Okay. So Bill and Brian duke it out. Who wants to guess first what he sold it for? I'll take a shot at that. Um, so my thinking is, you know, one word.com, lots of syllables, uh, very obscure word. Uh, in fact, thank you for explaining what the word meant. I'm sure it probably has a Latin origin, <laughs> um, but kind of, kind of unusual and has a bold nature to it. Um, now, I also have to think of the fact that it came from your portfolio, Drew. So, you know, you, <laughs> you, you were, you hold, you know, you, you negotiate hard, but you also, you know, you're not unrealistic. And so you will, you will sell your names. Uh, I've had the privilege of buying uh, at least a couple of names from you for clients. So, so my sense there is you would have agreed to sell that for 75,000. Okay, good guess. And Bill, thank you. That's exactly what we're looking for. Taking us through the thought process um, because, you know, I know when you in particular, but when someone is buying a domain, they come and say, well, I kind of want it, you know, it's got to be one word or it's got to be easy to spell or um, I want it to connote this strength of character. Um, and that's, that's how domains are frequently acquired for branding purposes, right? Yes, it, it usually um, the like my clients are often startups or serial entrepreneurs, um, and they they typically <laughs> they have a particular brand name in mind, um, which can be a problem because sometimes the .dot com can never be acquired. Yeah, um, and we'll talk a bit more about that later. But uh, but they they've already usually put a lot of thought into what they think the brand should be. Even if it's not possible to get the dot com to me. And then you can extrapolate from that, okay, this this feeling, this 
um, length, this, uh, you know, what ability in different languages, whatever, whatever it may be. All right. Now, Brian, you have little, uh, you're, you're coming in with Bill already having said so much and it's okay if you have a lot of similar, uh, ideas or something different. Um, what are your thoughts about immutable.com? Well, it's definitely a great name. I mean, it's relevant, you know, with, uh, people don't want to be censored with what they say. So I think, um, it's timely. Um, I guess would be, you know, he said it's, it's relatively a quick uh, turnaround from when he bought it to when he sold it. So my guess would be probably paid, you know, maybe high four figures, maybe just into five figures. But um, I would think he might be willing to take a little bit less. I've heard Drew say before, focus on the margins, uh, you know, and just getting some of your money back. So I think he might have taken about half of what Bill said. So my guess would be somewhere around 30K, maybe high 20s, low 30s. Okay. All right. Fair guess. Um, and, you know, names like this, it's difficult to have a real um, comparable sales set. Like, you know, it's the domain market is not quite like the real estate market, you know? So Drew. I generally right. super, ever more so, because I, I used to support the idea of, of uh, comparable sales and I, uh, as a measure of value. And I used to even include comparable sales in, you know, like we have like a premium domain uh, uh, evaluation that we offer. Um, I reluctantly offer it to be honest because it takes a long time to actually do it. It's like a nine page report um, that it's, uh, I think it's 1400 bucks or 1250 bucks or something. And uh, you know, even though that might sound high to have your domain appraised, you know, it's usually, these are very usually, um, it's usually being done for like a high stakes deal or it's being done because of a bankruptcy or an audit or, you know, and so it's a very in-depth report that requires a lot of time to, to do it. Um, and I used to include a whole page uh, talking about, you know, an in-depth report of comparable sales. And I've eliminated that because I, I truly, truly believe that these are not commodities. You cannot compare one domain sale to another. Um, and all of the information and data that you can extrapolate from a comparable domain sale is completely 100% subjective. There's very little objective data that can be taken from one domain sale and applied to another. The only thing that's objective is if you're talking about the same domain buyer or the same domain seller, you can extrapolate whether or not they undersold, oversold. If there's any insight into how long that negotiation protracted, you, you can extrapolate some information there. But otherwise, um, I am ever more in firmly against comparable domain sales. Just wanted to make that point. And uh, the, I, um, your point about the buyer and the type of buyer that's buying the domain or any domain that is so key to the <laughs> to the the perceived value and and what for how much and if it will actually turn into a transaction mm -hmm. yeah, you're right good point yeah all right drew so all right uh drum roll so uh you're both wrong i sold it for a hundred thousand dollars even wow and uh it was uh, we had I had priced it at 150, and uh, it was a several multi-week negotiation, and uh, it was interesting because I I was actually quite rude to the buyer, 
because they just kept coming back at like three grand, five grand, seven grand. And it was like, look, you're not moving the needle here. Uh, you know, and I actually started raising the price. I was like, look, honestly, you're wasting my time. Now I'm going to start charging you for my time. <laughs> and because um, I just didn't like the way that the guy was negotiating. And so he very intelligently introduced me to his partner or boss or I, I don't know who it is. Uh, and was like, look, I, I'm going to let him take it from here. And then that guy was very straightforward and we very quickly, you know, came to a deal and, um, you know, things started moving in the right direction. And so that goes to show you that who's involved um, is really essential, not just to the price outcome, but to the success of the deal. Because egos and personalities, my own and the buyers, um, I'm working on that, uh, can very often get in the way of uh, a successful transaction. Um, when I refer to my own ego, I uh, am very cognizant of the fact that when I'm negotiating a transaction for a domain that we actually own, um, my ego can oftentimes become a hurdle. It can get in the way, it can disrupt the flow of the deal, uh, it can be susceptible to my mood um, and other factors that are going on in my day in life. Well, and Whereas you're not really a motivated seller either. Yeah, that Which doesn't help. That doesn't help. It, it gives me a little bit of, uh, yeah, uh, arrogance. Um, however, when I'm selling or buying for a third party, um, it's, it's, it's amazing how that just isn't there. And so more and more, I'm, I'm, you know, letting others negotiate uh, the sale of names that, that we own. Uh, but it depends on the circumstances. Well, that really... I, I actually think, you know, as a domain broker, uh, I think that's a pretty relevant point, which I think is what you were going to say. It's like, you know, you're better off. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how experienced you are. If you own the asset or you are the one who wants to buy the asset, there are emotions and intangibles involved that can and most likely will at some point disrupt the deal. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's what I was going to chime in on is, is you really speak to the importance of having a, a trusted, somewhat neutral intermediary, whether you're on absolutely. the buyer sell side, because I typically represent buyers. And sometimes their, their, their thoughts, uh, their assumptions about the domain owner, the, the way they even, you know, talk negatively about the domain yep. owner because they don't understand. Um, yep. Little known fact, I have a, all my clients are under contract and I have a clause in my buyer brokerage contract with my buyer clients that they cannot disparage the domain owner. They cannot call them a cyber squatter later because I, you know, I, I, I don't, it's my reputation. I'm the one interacting with the domain owner and I don't want the legitimate domain owners to be abused or, you know, maligned by my buyer clients. So I make my clients yep. agree. Don't, don't slam these legitimate domain owners and domainers. That's a great point, especially when they issue their press release or something, you know, that you're looking at the, the development of the whole industry, um, not just, today's deal um good for you um, that's great it's great it really is a great point uh, there was a deal recently a few, not my deal 
Uh, I just remember reading about it. I, I think it was somebody that put out the story on Reddit or it was a good, it was like a good domain acquisition that maybe happened a year or two ago. I forget who wrote about it or what company it was. It was a good name though. Um, and in the story, it was a great story, you know, play by play of how the whole thing went down over a period of years. And, but he was very disparaging towards the domain owner, even though as somebody in the industry, as I'm reading, I'm like, he didn't do anything wrong. The guy was totally cool. In fact, I think he was calm, cool and collective with the whole negotiation. But here's this guy calling him a cyber squatter or, a, you know, domain squatter or whatever the term he used was. So I like that. I like that. I like that. Uh, I like that clause. Yeah, that's really fabulous. Um, and I know over the years, there's been so much talk about maybe someday having a um, domain brokerage, you know, certification or a um, some kind of association. And I don't know if that'll ever come to be. But if it is, I think that would be a great thing for um, every uh, certified broker to include, uh, don't you? That, that would be, I think that'd make a difference. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Hey, Tess, one thing I was going to mention on that is, uh, yeah, it's interesting how uh, people come in into negotiation and uh, with, with a very specific technique, like there's an attorney that was uh, looking to buy a domain and came in with a $7,500 offer. And because we took two hours to get back to him, um, he says, well, my offer is now decreased to 5000 And <laughs> so right off the bat, he's telling us the type of you know, negotiation tactics that he wants to use. And I think sometimes as brokers, it's great because we help kind of insulate those responses because, you know, clearly, uh, you know, a seller is going to get on defense mode and then there's just going to be no collaboration at that point. So I think it's very important in those type of situations to have a broker that can come in and be like, all right, calm down over here. We'll get your response. It might take a little bit of time, but hey, let's, uh, but yeah, it's funny how people come in with these very specific techniques that like, you know, you never know who's on the other side of that email. You just have to be very delicate at times. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the biggest egos have the biggest pocketbooks. It's not always about. More often than not, in fact. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's why sometimes the deal happens through co-broker, a co-brokerage relationship, because I've, I've worked with Brian on acquiring domains. He was a seller broker. I was the buyer broker. And I'm pretty sure, Drew, we've done that. I know I've bought names. Yeah directly from you, but I think we've done the co-brokerage thing as well. So, yeah. hey, it, it, whatever gets, gets the job done. Yeah, and, and I know, you know, Brian too, uh, I know there have been a lot of discussions on co-brokerage there. I think that's a, that's a big deal to know that brokers in this industry talk to each other, work together, especially if someone is watching this show um, who is looking into acquiring a domain or trying to figure out if they need a broker there's there's a lot to be learned um through this process um okay so immutable.com fantastic sale that is um a really good price for it uh, I'm, gonna just, I, I'm gonna just uh, provide a little bit more detail and I, I i i'm sorry to you know hog the microphone here but um as uh i think uh, George Bush said to, who was it? The George Bush Sr., it was in one of the debates, and he said, uh, I think it was George, no, I don't remember who it was, but it's a great quote. He said, I, uh, I paid for this microphone, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so, um, 
we paid $20,000 for a package that included immutable.com, immutability.com, and immutable.net. And, uh, you know, which I thought at the time was a, was a good deal. I didn't think that it was really a steal, but I was like, you know, um, immutable is a very applicable term to blockchain. It's something that's used specifically to identify probably the greatest advantage of a blockchain, which is it's in, uh, 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 it, it can't be manipulated. There's no way to change historical transactions. It, it's a permanent ledger that cannot be manipulated in any way, good or bad. And so that is called, that, that is immutability. And if something is immutable, it is, cannot be manipulated. And so um, I liked it because I just thought it was a, you know, it's really a defining characteristic of a very uh, fast growing industry, even if it's tough to spell. And I was never familiar with the term until I got interested in blockchain. And so, um, you know, uh, I think the multiple, multiple syllable difficulty to spell, you know, brought it down from being, you know, probably a 250 to 350 name. Um, and I think, yeah, I think we got a, uh, I think we got pretty much all of it at a hundred grand. I think. And did, did you sell it to a, a crypto related company? I believe so. I believe so. Uh, I couldn't find a lot about these guys, but the, the limited stuff I could find tied them to uh, a cryptocurrency related company. Yeah. Congrats on that deal. I'm, I, I'm happy that I was wrong and then you sold it above what I thought you might've sold it for. So that's a great, that's a great, unless of course I was the buyer. Then I'm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, you know, it's not really about being, you know, quote unquote wrong about a price so much as thinking through what it might be used for, what, you know, it's the process is more interesting um, and the guessing just adds a little fun. So you were right, I think, both of you about the processes and, um, and Brian, what you said about censorship really jumped out to me. I hadn't thought about it in that end, but that's something too. You know, um, blockchain is such a new industry and so much, you know, it's going to be around a long time, but who knows who the major players are going to all turn out to be. But there's always, you know, censorship is going to be around forever, unfortunately. And I think, you know, with, with privacy, um, uh, all the laws surrounding um, these different areas of freedom of speech that's that's all that's a great thing when you acquire a domain that there's some liquidity to sell it at some point so um very good point uh, bill you're up next what's a domain you recently bought or sold so um i would mentioned it as you know uh pretty well every transaction i do as a buyer broker is under some kind of confidentiality clause so so i i, I can't and it's one of actually the most frustrating parts of <laughs> My job is that I don't get to talk about the interesting transactions that get to happen. So, but I, but what I am going to share with you is the deal that's in it's in escrow right now. Um, it's a oneword.com, uh, uh, and I want to give you a little bit of the history on how that deal came to be. But, but, I, but I can't tell you the name. I can tell you the price though. So, but the backstory is um, I worked with a client in Europe about uh, starting about two years ago. And they were doing a global expansion, so they wanted to migrate off their their uh, country code name to get the .com. And so I worked on that project, and and that's not the project, the transaction is in escrow right now. But that was the first project. 
Um, and that was a wild and crazy project. But, but they came to me about three or four months ago. They're doing a kind of a spin-off venture. And they came to me and said, hey, we're doing a spin-off venture and there's this oneword.com that we're interested in. Can you look into it? Let us know if it might be acquired or acquirable. So I took a quick look at the name and it's like, okay, really good oneword.com owned by a tech entrepreneur. Uh, he's owned it, you know, 10, 15 years. And I said to the client, you know, I really don't think it's not listed for sale anywhere. Like this guy, he doesn't need the money. He's going to be very reluctant to sell it. He's using it for email. But, you know, if you want me to take a shot, I will. And the clients, and I sort of said, I estimate you're looking at somewhere between 500 to 500,000 to over a million based on who owns the name, the quality of the name, et cetera, et cetera. So they engaged me to try to acquire that name. And I, I made contact with the owner. We had a really good dialogue. He's very professional. Uh, long story short, I was right. <laughs> he, he wouldn't sell it for less than a million plus. And I conveyed that back to my client. And my client was like, well, we're going to have to find a different name. So I said to the client, well, let me know kind of about the project you're working on. Maybe I can suggest some names to you that you can get for within your budget. Their budget was, you know, maybe up to half a million. And they, I knew they wanted a one word.com. So they went off. They didn't take me up on my offer. They went off. And the clock is ticking here, right? Because they, they want to launch their new project, uh, I think, this fall. <laughs> so they came back to me with this invented word name that was really terrible. And because they sort of said, hey, do you think this is acquirable? So I kind of looked at that invented word name. And it's like, yeah, actually, you could acquire this name. But I really don't think you should acquire this name. And I explained why. It was just like it, passed, it failed the radio test. It just was just yeah. a horrible name. And... And also, I said, you know, you're going to overpay for this name because based on who owns it, you're probably going to have to pay fifty to 100000 for it. And it's the kind of name that if it was on Brand Bucket, it'd be like five grand. So it's kind of like, it's, I just don't like this name. You overpay. Thankfully, my client didn't mind me being candid like that. And so I said, here, look, you, you guys are on a timeline. Let's do this the right way. <laughs> How about you tell me what the nature of your new project is? I'll take a look at what good oneword.coms are currently on the market. Um, I'll curate a list of recommended potential brand names for you. And then you take a look at that curated list and maybe you'll see something on there that'll pop for you. And then we can just go and get it because the name should be able to be acquired for within your budget within a couple of weeks. So they actually said yes to that. And I have to tell you, that happens so few times. Like, that's how it should always be done, but it rarely ever happens. So I w they agreed. I went off. I looked at uh, I'm 300 names, and I looked at names that were represented by media options and were represented by other brokers and brokerages I know. These are all names that, you know, I knew were on the market. And I curated it down to 32 recommendations for the client. These were names that I thought might be suitable for their new venture. I sent them the list and they got back to me within a few days and there was, they, they particularly liked one of the names. So I was like, great. <laughs> they actually were making progress here. So then I took a look at that name and, and this is where it was really interesting. I, in the back of my mind, that name seemed familiar to me. And the reason it seemed familiar is it was owned. Uh, I knew a guy in Toronto and he owned that domain name. 
15, 20 years ago. So the first thing I did was, well, I was curious to say, okay, which broker represented it? Um, and when I looked a bit closer, I realized, oh, okay, that guy in Toronto, he doesn't own the domain anymore. And I actually saw that what happened is he, he had sold it to a domainer. That domainer, I think, had tried to sell it through Media Options about five or six years ago. So Media Options was representing it five or six years ago. Um, it was then acquired by somebody else and maybe even acquired by somebody else. And now it was being repped by another brokerage, not Media Options. So I spoke to the new broker, the new brokers, and we worked out a co-brokerage arrangement and the deals in escrow now. And so my client, we, I think the asking price was, I think it was north of 600. Uh, and we finally agreed on a quick closure and my client's paying 450,000 for it. Um, and then the brokers are getting, all the brokers are getting compensated uh, and the client's getting this amazing domain name. But I will say that what was interesting is I suspect the guy in Toronto sold it for less than 100,000 because when Media Options was representing the newer owner, it was listed for uh, between 100 and 150,000. Um, so it's interesting how it changed hands over the years and has now potentially found a forever home by an end user at 450,000. And I still think my client got a good deal because um, I think it's a wonderful name and I'm very excited. I'm, I'm gonna be so excited to see them put it to use. That's a great example of how companies look at acquisitions and how domain brokers look at acquisitions. Because the branding process for the you know, history of time has had nothing to do with availability beyond um, you know, there being no IP conflict. And it's just not like that anymore. Um, and interesting to see as you go through the process and see it going from home to home, um, recognizing you know, that's going to affect your acquisition strategy, the offers you make, um, what you're guessing the pricing would be. It takes a lot of research to do all that. Yeah, and I did, just to be clear, I did that research, the historical research, just as a bit of due diligence, not because I wanted to contact the current owner, because my whole philosophy is I knew about that domain name because it was provided to me by one of, you know, a reputable brokerage firm. So there was no way in hell I was going to go direct to the domain owner. I would go through the seller brokerage because that's how I came to find out about the name. And so it becomes a win-win for everybody. Um, and I actually don't know who the owner is and I may find out one day. <laughs> I don't think it's you, Drew, though. I don't think you ever own this name, unfortunately. <laughs> now that's a really neat, neat story. And I think um, I'm seeing a little theme here develop as we talk of the importance of a broker. Again, because what you researched, um, it, some of it is just historic knowledge. You remember from, did you say 20 years ago? How many yeah, years? this guy, he, I think, oh, had hand registered it because he had a, um, the technology firm and he used it for that and it's just weird because yeah. I always I remember meeting him at this uh, early web it was a Toronto web girls event but it was open to men <laughs> and uh, I remember like the first time I met him and it's like 
and I got his business card, I guess. I was like, wow, you own that name? It's like, how'd you get that? So huh. it's just too bad I didn't get to buy it from him because that would have been really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really neat. But there is, there's, you know, historic knowledge. There's, um, you know, the different tools that we use to research who owns domains. There are also the, um, I don't know whose phone is ringing, but, um, but then on top of that, there are the, um, you know, probably emails that you're researching from newsletters that other brokers have listed over the years. There's a ton that goes into it. Um, so good for you. That's an excellent deal. Uh, Brian, you're up. What's the name you recently bought or sold? All right. Good deal. So yeah, I've got uh, two. I'll kind of let you guys choose. So one of them is a one word.com. So I don't know if you guys want me to, to share kind of some of what they've done or I've got a one word.co domain. So I guess it's, you guys have Which a preference. Which one's got more uh, shock, shock and awe? <laughs> um, showbiz, man. We need shock and awe. <laughs> all right. Shock and awe. Um, yeah. Well, all right. Let's just do the, uh, yeah, let's just do the .co then. All right. Um, so, yeah, there's one that we just sold. Um, you know, a lady had reached out maybe a month and a half ago and, um, you know, came in. Uh, yeah. So anyways, the domain is uh, declare.co. 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 All right. Kind of powerful there. Um, all right. Uh, make a guess. Uh, Bill, Drew, what do you think? Uh, um, so normally I probably would have said, hey, this is a sale, right? Yeah. You sold it. Yeah, it's an escrow. Okay. So uh, normally I'd probably be like in the five to nine grand range, I'd probably say. Um, but because I've just said, you know, shock and awe and he picked the .co, I'm going to overshoot that a bit. I'm going to say $18,000. Okay. All right. Good poker face, Brian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bill, what do you think declare.co sold for? So uh, I'm glad we're talking about a one word.co because a lot of my clients are startups. A lot of times they want a one word.com and then I give them the reality check <laughs> about what that would actually cost them. And they often will then bring up the topic of a .co. And I like that they bring up the topic of a .co because .co's are very popular with startups and it's a, it's a great extension. Um, so, so I bought a lot of .co's, including some through Brian. <laughs> uh, so I would say on that one, I like that one. Um, I would say using the shock and awe thing, I'm gonna go the other way. I, I think maybe that sold for 65,000. Normally, I would, go, I would say more between 40 and 50, but I'll say 65 is my shock and awe guess on that one. Wow. Um, all right. That's a, that's a high guess, Bill. Um, you, set the, you set the watermark high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Brian, you can spit out the price right away or you can make them work for it. We want to hear a little bit about the negotiation process. Um, so, you pick. Tell us what you want. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it wasn't really a, a shock and all type deal. It's actually kind of more, and we've got, um, you know, a couple other .co domains in, uh, in escrow right now in the same price range. So, um, but yeah, there was one other reason I wanted to share this. So it's in escrow right now. It's a payment plan. 
right? So it's at uh, 22.5, so 22,500. Um, and I thought, you know, what was interesting about it is the fact that, you know, she'd come in with uh, best and final all cash because a lot of buyers come in with the mentality of all cash. And I think she was somewhere around that 10 to 11, 12,000 mark. And, um, you know, I think it's just important to uh, introduce to that point. I don't think introducing payment plan is, is a smart thing to do early, too early on, because then it, it kind of muddies the water and there's, uh, gets people too distracted. Um, but, you know, once she was at that best and final, uh, then we introduced the payment plan, was able to stretch it out over 18 months. And uh, what I like about payment plans is, you know, first of all, obviously the sale price is going to be higher. Second of all, um, you know, it's consistent cash flow for the seller, the broker. Um, it helps the buyer spread it out. Yeah, they can start using the domain right off the bat. Um, and the other thing I like about it as a broker is it keeps me in contact now with these uh, with these buyers for the next 18 months. And I can't tell you you know, when I do a one-shot deal with uh, with buyers or sellers, you don't really have a chance to kind of build that relationship with them. But, you know, as a matter of fact, they were emailing this morning, they're trying to get the redirect and the server names. And so when I'm automatic and, and responsive, it's just now I'm almost kind of representing both people, if that makes sense. So that's what I really like about him. And the one word.com was the same thing. His uh, top offer was half um, of what we were able to get out of the payment plan and, and um, been able to develop a great relationship with them as well. So I think the two things with that would just be, you know, don't introduce it too early, but then second of all, think about the, the long-term benefits uh, to all parties involved and having a consistent cash flow for the sellers. Um, you know, of course it's risk-free because if the, the buyers stop paying, they keep the payments and the domain. Um, so I think it's just a, a win-win for everybody. You don't get credit with uh, escrow.com um, for the uh, the top 10 at the end of the year for payment plans, but hey, it's it's a win-win in all other situations. Brian, did you? I'm not sure if that's you, true. I think you get credit for payments made. I think you get credit yeah. for payments made. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I don't know. They account for it. I know it's accounted for. I'm just not sure when it's accounted for. I don't know you know, when the final payment gets made, if that's when they account for it, or if it's that's probably when it is yeah, at the end. It as, you know, payments made, because sometimes these things have big deposits up front. Uh, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I like that Drew goes straight to the competition aspect. Bill, what were you going to say? <laughs> well, I was going to ask Brian, well, congrats on the sale. Um, also wanted to find out who brought up the topic of payment plan, buyer or, or you as the broker? Yeah, usually the buyers uh, rarely, if ever, bring that up. So it's something that I'll introduce. And um, having uh, researched who she was a little bit, I knew that she was uh, well-versed and, and educated, you know, buyer from that standpoint. So uh, that's always helpful to know in terms of how much information they're going to need to to justify the, the price that we're asking. So nice. I, I find that a lot of my clients – aren't even aware that that might be a possibility, that a payment plan might be a possibility with a, yeah. a domain owner. So it's, um, I certainly encourage domainers that if they're comfortable with offering that kind of model to at some point during negotiations, let the buyer know it's a possibility because sometimes that it's that what takes you across the finish line. And Brian, yeah. I'm wondering, you know, you, you said right after she offered best and final, I'm betting that's not always your mark of when to introduce it. What factors 
um, do you consider when deciding the timing for proposing a payment plan? Well, you know, first of all, and this is probably similar to Bill and Drew, I mean, in a perfect situation, I want to talk to them on the phone, right? I want to, especially when I, when I give that first price, it's, I, I really don't even want to quote a price unless I can get them on the, get them on the phone. And you're still going to have people that just refuse. Um, and then the next best scenario is once I have spoken to them on the phone, texting is, is always the best, uh, just because you're getting immediate responses, you know, they're getting it. Um, and uh, it's just going to make for a more efficient process all the way through if you guys are texting um, and you've already spoken on the phone and have that relationship. So I think, first of all, if I can get them on the phone, kind of feel them out, see where they're at in terms of price. Um, and then it allows me to be able to ask some follow up questions to kind of test the waters to see if it's even going to make a difference. Because for some people, they don't even care. So you don't want to spend, you know, three or four emails talking about a payment plan when, you know, you can tell by the tone of their voice whether or not that's even important or not. So um, I think it's just really being able to talk to them on the phone, feel them out, you know, what's their tone? How quick are they? Are they, you know, are they warm and friendly? You know, you just kind of need to, uh, to know a little bit more of a complete picture as far as the person that you're talking to and the situation. That's, that's really insightful, Brian. Um, thank you. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, thank you guys. I, I actually, I, just quick comment. So, 100% spot on. I actually do think that that is the ideal point uh, in time to bring up a payment plan. So when somebody comes in and says, look, best and final offer, they've already sort of wrapped their mind around this acquisition emotionally. And if you come back in a very polite and clear with minimal words and just say, super grateful for your offer, it's a, you know, it's, it's a strong offer. Unfortunately, it's a bit shy of, you know, where we need to be. Um, how about if we, you know, how about if you pay that much up front and, you know, he, whatever X amount per month and the balloon at the end, or there's a million different ways to structure these things, but some variation of what they've offered with an extension that should be easily manageable relative to the size of the company, the growth of the company, whatever you know about the company, right? Formatting it with some personalization to what you believe the needs of this company will be, make them a very fair, polite counter offer that kind of ignores the fact that they've made you this best and final offer and just say, you know, here's another way that we can approach this. Um, what I've found is that has a really interesting effect. Most of these people are adamantly against the idea of paying for something and not controlling it uh, I, th I think there's a shift, you know, uh, in, in that mentality, but for the moment, it still is the majority are, are adamantly against the idea of a lease or, or payment plan. And so what that does is it just, it like reframes it for them. And they, it's like, they're looking at it as all cash or this type of payment plan. They've emotionally committed to the deal. And so it, they just, I would say, probably in more than half of the times where we've got a serious best and final offer, not a tire kicking offer, but a serious best and final offer. I mean, more than half of the time when I come back and I propose a payment plan, it immediately triggers them to say, you know what? I'll take you for the cash price. And that's it. Boom. All right, let's just do it. And actually that's exactly what happened with the immutable sale is I came back and said, guys, look, no problem. This industry is going to grow. Da, 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 da. You know, made a bunch of different points. 
why don't you put, I, I don't remember the numbers exactly were, but it was half of whatever they had offered me. I said, put that down, you know, pay two grand a month and 24 months from now, you know, pay off the balance. And by that point, you know, this thing will pay for itself. And it was at that point that he came back immediately and was just like, you know what, what's the best cash price? And I, you know, whatever, I, the details don't matter. But, but the point is the timing. I think that exactly when they tell you this is my best and final offer, that's exactly the right time to say, well, here's some other alternatives to, to you know, bridge the gap. And just because of their own biases, they're going to jump back to, okay, what's the cash price? That's a, yeah, very, very uh, good point there, Drew. Thank you. Good story too with Immutable. You are holding out on us. Um, uh, for the record, Ronald Reagan said, I am paying for this microphone. And who did he say it to? Ford? Was it Ford? <laughs> well, I think he, did he run against George Bush? Is what it sounds like? I have no clue. Um, but he remember, said it, there's yeah, a whole story about it, but he said it to uh, editor John Breen, but he called him Mr. Green. So, okay. But it was in a it was in a presidential debate. It was, yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny. Like I read about it a little bit, and I'm like, what? What kind of crazy was happening in 1980? <laughs> um, all right. Congrats to each of you on your sales. Um, you definitely have some negotiation tactics to learn from the Gipper because if you read up on the history of this, he was negotiating uh, and and awfully good at it. Um, let's take a moment here. Um, we'll just um, introduce you. Thank you to um, each of our sponsors for the show. And then we'll come back for the next segment. First, serious about online trading? Secure your funds, keep your merchandise safe, and use a company that keeps the buyer and seller protected the whole way through. That's escrow.com. Payments you can trust. So let's jump in to... Uh, the domain portfolio review. We take user-submitted domain name portfolios and provide honest and constructive feedback to the owners so they can cut their losses, continue to hold them long-term, or figure out a sales strategy going forward. Uh, today, we have domains from Ken G. Um, not Kenny G, just Ken. Um, and I believe I only sent you .coms. Um, we have about 25 of them. Um, Brian, you are up first. What what jumps out at you as uh, either if you see kind of you know a general strategy that you're extrapolating from this list that you want to talk about, or particular domains that you would say sell this, sell this now, hold this long term, um, don't even renew this. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think there was about. Um, you know, 25 domains on the list. And <clears throat> so actually not some bad domains. I think some of the ones that I liked uh, were decapitalized.com. Um, what I like about that is a couple different terms, you know, going from uppercase to lowercase, but also to me, it sounds like a great name for a book, right? So, uh, you know, how like a government can ruin a country through decapitalization, like decapitalize. <laughs> it's, um, so it's, uh, you know, I would price that maybe in the, in the high fours. Um, but I think that's a, that's a pretty solid domain. I really liked diluters.com, lots of practical applications. I mean, if you're a super hip uh, chemistry teacher, I mean, uh, but anyways, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, I'm not exactly that familiar with diluters, but I'm sure with, uh, you know, including water and, and how that could be something that uh, could be of use in the future with uh, diluters. 
Um, but I think I would consider that a five-figure uh, domain name. And then uh, Courtesy Discount, I think is a great domain. Uh, positive name for a discount coupon club. Um, you know, good twoword.com that's, uh, you know, common terms. And, and I would price that in, in high fours, maybe low fives. But I think with the domains he's got, I mean, there wasn't anything I hated. Um, I did like how there was a couple of domains that um, he had bought ones that were kind of similar to each other. Um, the ones on the list I didn't like, I think this is his list, uh, domainizers. Is this the same list? Domainizers? Okay, yes. just because yes. that's hard to pronounce, doesn't really make sense. Um, and then I didn't like conflicts resolutions. Uh, the two plurals is very distracting. I think that's only going to be valuable if you own the other combinations like conflict resolution, conflict resolutions, conflicts resolution. So um, unless you had those other ones, then that by of it, itself is really not worth anything in my opinion. But um, yeah, that was kind of my assessment of the list. Thanks. Yeah. Great, great walkthrough. Um, and, uh, uh, good point on the, the, the conflicts in conflicts resolutions, uh, that it does, it makes a difference if you have a package or just an individual, uh, name on a confusing name like that. Hey, Drew, what jumps out at you? Um, okay. So I wasn't quite as happy with this list. Um, I think actually the only name I like on the list is autohealing.com. I just think, you know, that has probably a very high probability of becoming a thing in, in medicine. And so, you know, could sell. But even so, you know, it's like a little too descriptive. It's not going to be a company name. So I don't love it, um, but I wouldn't let it expire. Um, really? I would not have guessed that would be the one name that would jump out at you. What do you think of... I didn't like, I didn't even, I, I kind of like decapitalize.com after Brian talked about it, um, but it didn't immediately come on my radar. Um, okay. When I saw Auto Healing, I actually, I saw it as automotive. It like took me a while as medical. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it more as medical. Yeah. Although it's probably a broader audience for car repair. <laughs> but then it would be like auto healer or, do, you know, auto doctor, you know, the, I don't know. So um, uh, the other one, you know, it's okay. Luckiestnumber.com. I mean, I don't know what the commercial application is. I mean, it's just, you know, there's, there's enough popular culture around the term that it, you know, it's probably got some value, but it's limited. You know, uh, there's not going to be a lot of love there. Um, I would say, um, you know, he probably has to rethink his 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 strategy here. Um, I, I just come back to exactly the same thing I tell most of the people that come with a portfolio like this. You know, you've clearly got some strategy in your mind, and you're trying to execute on that, but. I'm hoping that these are all hand registrations uh, and that you haven't paid much in, you know, auctions or, or through other channels. Um, even with the limited number of 25 domains here, you know, we're still talking about, you know, a few hundred dollars a year carrying costs. And um, that adds up, you know, because you ain't selling these names in less than 10 years, right? And that's if you sell two names. 
And two names from this portfolio doesn't cover 10 years of uh, carrying costs because you, you're not going to sell these names. On, your, on the best day, when all the stars align, you might get $2,500 for one of these names. And so that's you know somewhere along the line of five to seven years of renewals. And so at 10 years, even if you broke even, you're losing your ass because of the opportunity cost. So you need to probably keep one or two, maybe three at most names on this list. And uh, I would take the savings from not renewing them and I would go out and I'd buy one domain, the best name, spend a week watching the markets, watching these auctions, and the best name that, you know, after you've done that for three to five days, if there's a name that pops out, you go, wow, that's better than most of the names I saw selling for two, $200 to $500, uh, go for it, right? If there's several people bidding for that name, if there's additional interest, if there's anything that you can gauge to make you feel more confident that you're not the only one that thinks his name has value because by definition, if the name is being hand registered by you, you're the only person who thinks it has value. Right? Like, let's be clear. If you are hand registering a domain name, you are the only person on the planet who thinks that domain has value because if anybody else thought it had value, they would have bought it. Um, there are exceptions to that rule, but it is an exception and not a rule. So let these things go. Take the, 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 in savings and buy one name and then go out, spend the time, hustle, contact a hundred people. And if you can't sell that name, then quit, go into a different business. Because if you've done the homework to pick the one name that you're going to buy for $200, and then you contact a hundred companies that would be qualified buyers in your mind for that domain, and nobody wants it for the price that you offer, which the price you should offer should be, let's say, no more than 5x what you pay, just to you know, try and get, uh, uh, try and make the sale, 3x, 5x. Um, and if you can't do that, then you're just not suited for this. And it's just, I'm not suited to be an NBA basketball player. That's fine, I'm not, a, you know, that's, you know, uh, just not what I'm made for. So, uh, um, cries about it at night though. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Well, and there are different sales strategies. I, I, I think you gave, you know, fabulous advice until the end. <laughs> I think it's just an important way to gauge whether or not you should but, continue in this path, right? Because yes. believe me, I, the reason we have this show is because I want to expand the pie. I want more people to be in the domain business. I want more people to benefit from what I think is the greatest asset class on earth. But it's not made for everybody, just like everything else. And so if you can't go through that simple exercise, now, this isn't the way to necessarily uh, uh, build you know, the, your, your business in the domain industry, but it's a great gut check for when you're starting out. Because if you've got 25 names like this, and you might have more than that, right? Um, uh, you're, not, you're, you're, you're heading down the wrong path, even if it's just a hobby. You're wasting your time and you're wasting your money. And so. Uh, but you can learn a lot from the feedback you get when you try to sell something like cycling vlog. You'll see that somebody else, instead of paying you 200 bucks for cycling vlog, they'll just get cycle vlog or cycling blog or, you know, and, and when you get that feedback, it can help inform your next, um, your next. I, I think, you know, Brian is a, 
perfect example, okay? Uh, I listened to uh, Brian's interview with Andrew Alleman on Domain Name Wire the other day, and, you know, uh, you mentioned, Brian, correct me if I'm talking out of turn here, but you mentioned that you had studied Domain Name Sherpa, right? Back when it was owned by Michael Seiger. And you listened to everybody that came on the show, um, except me. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you studied, you just obsessively studied the market to understand what's a domain worth. And then you went out and you hustled. You did exactly what I'm telling these people to do. And there is no better way. You can listen to me and everybody else until you're blue in the face. But until you go out and you try and sell a domain that you own or somebody else owns, and you get told to go, you know, fuck yourself until you get told, you know, you know, you're an idiot until you get the door slammed in your face a million times until you, but what's, what's critical with that is when somebody slams the door in your face, just politely ask why don't even try to give them a hard sell. Don't try and convince them. Just accept that they're not your buyer because you're just wasting your time. If you try and keep, you know, but ask them why, because there is no better way to understand domain value and understand the mindset of the people you're trying to sell to than to ask them why they're saying no. Because if it was obvious to you they should own the domain, there's obviously a disconnect. And until you can bridge that gap and formulate a response in your mind and of how to overcome it with the next person, you're not, you're not moving ahead. You're not truly grasping domains. And it's actually something that I didn't even really formulate until I listened to that interview. Uh, the biggest problem in our industry, as I see it, as somebody who's receiving lists from people every single day, what seems like the same list from a million different people, it's crap, okay? And the, some of these people are, are really intelligent people. I had a guy in email yesterday, guy has a PhD in, I don't remember what, I think it was psychology. And, you know, he, he wrote this very thoughtful email and, and about why he thought this domain name was going to be the groundbreaking sale of the year. And I wrote back to him, look, honestly, I don't think it's more than a four figure name. And I would never spend my time to try and sell it because, you know, even at that price, it's a, it's a high flyer, but he's talking about seven figures. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, what's the disconnect here? This is a highly intelligent person. Uh, where's the disconnect? And, and, and it truly comes down to the majority of domain investors the, uh, uh, simply have never tried to sell a domain. They come to brokers. They come to marketplaces. They watch what other people are doing. But they've never gone out and spoken to a buyer and been told why their framework is wrong. And there's no way to truly refine that framework, a mental framework of understanding value, understanding what actually drives a domain sale uh, until the people who do the buying tell you. Uh, That's a good so, point. And you don't have to be from a broker, but go through thing. that as an exercise in your process. Mm -hmm. But yeah. man, look, here's you know, the example, like, you followed exactly what I'm saying. You're one of the one in 20,000 who actually did the work, who actually took what, not just me, but what all of the experts that you've listened to said, and we all said the same thing. Like, you know, you just ha you have to study and you have to, you know, 
understand what drives value and understand what drives sales. Uh, so anyways, yeah. I'll shut and, up. Hey, one thing to piggyback what you said, Drew, is uh, one thing that really helped me a lot in the beginning. Because I think to be, to really be um, effective in this industry, understanding empathy in terms of putting yourself in the buyer's shoes, like, okay, what are they thinking? when they're inquiring about this domain, you know, what's their angle? So one of the things that really helped me when I first got in this industry is when I told people I was involved in, in domains, it's funny because everybody has a domain story, right? Anybody you talk to, oh yeah, I tried to buy this domain one time or somebody inquired about this. So one of the things that helped me was I had friends that um, I would help them with their domain purchasing process for their company and and help to understand what's the thought process and, and uh, would help them acquire domains and the other thing that's important too, each domain acquisition usually should involve three or four other domain acquisitions, whether it's like a misspelling or another extension to go ahead and capture it before you start to build a brand on it. All of a sudden, somebody wants to sell you a slight variation like um, one of the domains that I bought um, actually on Namejet for my own personal self was SuccessfulThinking.com. And, but I went ahead and bought successful with two L's because I knew people would probably misspell it and it was available on GoDaddy. So again, each, uh, each time you're buying something for your brand, it usually is going to involve a couple different ones. But I think for me, that was super helpful talking to my, um, you know, business owner friends and, and helping them with their process and, and them, uh, you know, walking through it with them. And then of course, them referring me to anybody else that, uh, that they know. Um, but that was super helpful too, just like you said, to understand that buying process. Yeah, very cool. Hmm. Cool. Bill, you, you have anything you want to add for, uh, for Ken here? Oh, absolutely. And I, I love the, the tough love that Drew <laughs> delivered there. Uh, so I will, I will go actually a little bit easier on Ken than I was planning to. At, at a high level, my read on Ken's portfolio is that we're a lot of kind of wannabe names and what i mean by that is names that you know they they were almost a good name but because the the syntax was wrong or it was plural instead of singular or it's just you know poor choice of word uh most of the names were not uh, you know were not names i would even recommend renewing but but I'll, I'll talk about a few that i thought were going in the right direction there were none that i loved unfortunately um but three that kind of i thought were pretty good uh blingmasters.com you know cute little two-word uh brandable name maybe for automotive aftermarket or something like that that's the kind of name you could sort of you could see selling for you know 1500 or 1800 dollars with a buy it now price on it um cashdetector.com kind of sounded like a product or service um you know once again under 2000 you know you know, buy it now, GoDaddy premium listings, just, you know, get, get it out the door. Um, and then a kind of one word.com, choppable.com, you know, sort of, kind of interesting uh, because it is technically a one word. Maybe a startup, uh, you know, might be interested in that. I think it's a stretch, but, uh, you know, kind of interesting. Um, three that kind of, it's interesting, we, we all identified a, a, a number of names, uh, some of the same names we had major issues with. So that conflictsresolutions.com, the double plurals just kills it. Uh, I also flagged cycling blog, 
because vlog to me that's like such a that's a term from like 10 years ago like does anybody have a vlog anymore i mean it's just like uh and then global yeah, yeah, yeah hold on i just watched an interview with uh who's the who's the blog, the most famous blogger in the world the, the guy casey uh Neistat, casey Neistat. and he just did a interview with jason from angel.co yeah and uh they were all about blog and blogging and bloggers and i sold v we own vlog.com blog.com uh, and I sold it like two years ago for, for a good price, like a couple hundred thousand dollars. And um, I think you got out uh, at the right time. But yeah, I agree. I agree. But it, <laughs> it still seems to be alive and well because I was thinking to myself, maybe I sold too early, you know? No. no. <laughs> um, and then the last one that I, I, I was not a fan of was globallyshipped.com because to me the tense was wrong on that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Ken you know, Ken, from my perspective, Ken should not renew or, you know, ditch like 80% at least of his portfolio and just really tighten up uh, his name selection. Um, because uh, these were not, not good enough to really have a sustainable business, resale business with. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, very, very close, but not quite. So he's headed in the right direction. Just time to uh, rethink a couple things. And Ken, thank you so much for um, submitting your domains for the entire Sherpa network to learn here because a lot of folks have portfolios very similar to this. Um, so let's keep in touch, see, um, see if you do um, make some changes and let us know how it went. Um, before we jump into the going uh, domains going to auction soon, let me tell you about our sponsors who support us in our educational mission. FD was built by domain investors to increase your inquiries, sales, and profit. Forget spreadsheets and archived emails. Manage your entire investment portfolio in one place using a secure and completely confidential platform. Learn more at FT.com. That's E-F-T-Y. FT.com. So um, we'll move on now to our marketplace list. Um, this segment is sponsored by Namejet. Uh, we're reviewing domains heading to auction soon. I do love to hear when our Sherpa Network um, actually does say that they pause the video right now, read the domains, think it out, and kind of guess so that they can then go through the process and then hear what you guys think. Um, Bill, you're up first. What are your thoughts on this list? What, what jumps out to you? Oh, sorry, for transparency, um, uh, Sherpas, do you own or are you brokering any of the domains on the list? Nope. No. Okay. Um, so, Bill, what jumps out to you here on this? So, and just a question for you, uh, I identify some names that did stand out and why I like them. Am I also suggesting what uh, a domainer might want to pay for them for future resale or, or? If you're comfortable, yes. Sure. Okay. So, um, so I liked, I liked quite, quite a few, um, uh, some of, anyway, uh, first one was adventuregear.com. It sounded, it sounded like a brand. It's kind of generic, but it's kind of generic brandable. Um, so I, I, you know, that's something where maybe I, I could see that selling for, you know, anywhere from three to 10,000. So maybe invest up to $500 to, to pick it up, but you'd have to fix price that one if you're going to sell it, is my mm -hmm. recommendation. Um, Aquastream.com. Sounds like a brand again, 
I would actually check trademarks on that uh, just to make sure it's actually not a trademark infringing name. It sounds like a brand because you're thinking of SodaStream. Could be. That's true. Yeah, I've got a SodaStream downstairs. So uh, yeah, you might have a point there. Um, maybe that one, you know, maybe go to spend up to 200 250 on that. Uh, hope to sell it for you know, mid, mid to high four figures. Uh, bodyarts.com, kind of interesting, also sounds like a brand, maybe in the tattoo space, um, same kind of uh, pricing recommendation on that one. Uh, I won't talk, there's a one word.com in there. I think if it's an up and coming domainer, that doesn't make sense to, <laughs> to, to spend that. <laughs> like, well, we'll, so I'll skip that. And then the last one, continuing a the theme, uh, grillking.com. It sounds like an existing brand. I would once again check <laughs> check trademarks on that one, which I actually thought as I was looking at these names, the ones where I was like, wow, you should check the trademark because it sounds like a legitimate brand. And that's actually a good sign, but it's not a good investment if it actually <laughs> is conflicting with a trademark. So do your homework. The Grill King, I would you know, I could see that selling for quite a lot of money. So I'd spend 500 bucks up to 500 bucks to invest in that to sell it for uh, uh, five figures down the road as long as there's no trademark conflict yeah that one that one really jumps out um, thanks Bill Brian what are your thoughts um, let's see I really liked uh, bigsister.com I thought that was fantastic especially with the um, you know boys and girls club I think there's a lot of the big sister big brother programs out there um, yes, that's, that's a fantastic domain and, um, looks like that'll probably sell somewhere around a thousand bucks, but, you know, definitely worth, you know, a lot more than that. I really liked adventuresports.com. Um, you know, again, fantastic brand, but also, um, really that can, has a lot of different uses there. Uh, so adventuresports.com, uh, really liked that one. Um, and then one I would encourage people to try and stay away from, in my opinion, would just be cafe.net. You know, people might be excited about the, uh, what is it, the 33,000, you know, Estebot value, but I've just had a really, really tough time selling, you know, one word.nets for clients. And um, I feel like that extension um, has really taken a hit, especially with a lot of the new GTLDs. So, um, you know, it might get some popular you know, uh, a lot of people bidding on it, but I would just say be, be leery of that one long-term. Good point. Yeah, thank Bye. you. Yeah, very thoughtful. All right, Drew, how about you? So uh, I agree with Brian's sentiment overall on .NETs. I think that they've been the biggest victim of the new GTLD rollout. You know, it's just a thousand, I've said it before, but a thousand new domain extensions competing for second place, which is where, you know, .NET has always tried to compete. So um, I think that that does harm .NET values. That being said, uh, it had been a few years since we had closed any like material .NET sales. And in the last six months, we've closed a number of, of very material .NET sales, not on par with what we were selling them for four, five, six years ago, but still uh, significant. Uh, a couple of, we had two six-figure sales in .NETs and uh, quite, a number, quite a number being, you know, somewhere in the five to 10 range of uh, five figure .NET sales. 
And most of those were uh, lead gen stuff, not, you know, brands. Um, but I personally, as a complete uh, addict of coffee and caffeine, uh, I, I really like cafe.net. I just, uh, you know, th there's been so much goodwill built around the word cafe, not just because of, you know, it, it's coffee uh, in, in every Latin speaking country in the world. Um, it's, uh, you know, a place where people come together to meet and using that meaning of the, of the word, um, there's been a lot of brands that have been created that use something cafe because it's a, you know, creating a meeting point or creating a, a nucleus, you know, where people come together around. And I think the cafe still expresses that. And it's just so rare that a word of that magnitude in any extension comes available, any, any extension that has any value whatsoever. Um, let me know when cafe.horse comes up. Uh, and so I like it. I like it. I, I agree that, you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to pay $33,000 for that name, but, um, you know, I, I, grand or two, uh, I'd be on that name, you know, uh, I'd be all over it. I like, I like it. Uh, it doesn't mean it's a smart buy, but I, I do like that name. Um, you know, I, we haven't touched on kick. So, I mean, that's kind of the elephant in the room here. Um, amazing domain. I am skeptical about whether or not it actually goes to auction and, and, and completes, but let's see. If it does, I assure you I'll be in the running. Um, in the running? Probably, yeah, pun intended. Uh, I think it's probably one of the best, you know, with the exception of the NamesCon auction on NameJet, I think it's one of the best OneWord.coms to hit auction in years, uh, or at least in my recent memory, which is painted. Um, so, uh, you know, in my eyes, if we owned Kick.com, um, I'm probably pricing that name at like three fifty to five hundred thousand. Um, you'd be pretty hard pressed to get that name out of my, my cold dead hands at less than 350,000. Um, and, and I might even go more than that because what I'm seeing is that the name probably has a lot of traffic. It's been tied up and untouchable for a very long time. Um, it's pretty much a clean slate and it's got a very big overture score. So I love this name. I'm, I'm, you know, for, and it's a four letter word, which is, the holy grail of branding. Um, uh, you know, if there was like one common theme among, you know, 80% of the buyers that come in our door asking us to help them with a name, it's uh, whether, whether it's a specific name that they want or they're just looking for a brand, it's like, we want a four letter word that's easy to pronounce and spell, right? And, and kick is, uh, you know, it's right there. And the second holy grail of branding is something that's a verb and a noun, kick. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And on top of that, here is a domain in an auction, uh, in a market, well, marketplace auction that uh, end users don't even typically know about. So here's your opportunity to, if, if you're an end user and you do know about this, here's your opportunity to buy a name at 
probably a very depressed price compared to if it ends up in the hands of somebody that actually really knows its true value. Yeah, that's hey, a really I'm gonna, good point. I'm going to take this opportunity to exploit that comment. And um, very, very recently, I was told about two huge end users, two of the biggest companies in the world, one of them high tech, one of them uh, old tech. And um, uh, I won't mention their names, but um, this is true. This really, really, really exists. Literally one of the largest companies in the world who regularly watches Domain Sherpa and um, uh, actively bids for domain names in, at least in uh, uh, Namejet. Uh, no, sorry, uh, Dropcatch. I don't know if they mentioned Namejet actually, but I know that they do actively bid on Dropcatch. Um, so I think, uh, and I've watched a few auctions in the last year on GoDaddy where I thought, you know, I've got a pretty good feeling for the market. I know who the major players are that would be buying a name like this. And this is just selling way too high above that mark for it to be an investor. And most of the time those end names end up under privacy. We don't, you know, sometimes they get used, most of the time they don't. And so we don't find out who the buyer is, but um, I'm quite sure, which is a great, you know, development. I think that there are a handful of end users that are now penetrating these, you know, uh, traditionally domainer only, domain investor only um, uh, auctions and marketplaces. And not only do their, you know, perception of domain values need to evolve to get to that point for end users, but also their acquisition process. Like Bill, we were talking about earlier, that part of the process, what's available okay, what do we want from what's available within our budget and our preferences? Sure. Um, but also the buying process is usually you pick the domain, the lawyers clear it, then you get approval. Whereas this, it's like an auction, you have to just get approved to a certain amount. And see if so you get it or not. What I, I will clarify that statement that I don't think you're buying speculatively. Um, I, I could be wrong, but, but my understanding is that, you know, they're buying defensively. So they're buying names that expired that were previously on their radar as, um, you know, potentially infringing names or somehow defensive, but it's mostly defensive purchasing, not, you know, uh, uh, uh speculative acquisition. Okay. Oh, we're getting this name at, you know, domain investor prices. So let's buy it. I, I don't think that's what's happening. They're being smart. That's that is. They're being very smart to do that. It doesn't happen very often, uh, but I, I I like it. I mean, I, I don't like it if I'm also chasing that name for somebody else. But it but hopefully it's the same client. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and who said evolve or die? If we're gonna misquote everything, let's uh <laughs> get that one right. Uh, but that's that you know that's exactly right. That's you know markets are intelligent. Markets are uh, the highest intelligence because markets. By definition, it's, it's, it's cumulative intelligence. Everybody is speaking their opinion by either buying or not buying, by making an offer or not making an offer. And cumulatively, you create an incredibly efficient and, and smart uh, entity, if you will. And so um, markets are always rational. And when they seem ir irrational, it's because the way you're evaluating it is wrong. So... Uh, yeah, it's natural it, it, because you and I sit here and say, 
oh, that's smart that they're now participating in these auctions. It should be a given assumption that they eventually would because, it, like you just said, evolve or die. If the market isn't evolving, they're dying. And uh, so if this wasn't happening, if there wasn't evolution happening in the space, it'd be time to get out. Well, I really appreciate that we have three brokers here whose time is so incredibly valuable and each of you would dedicate your time to helping this whole market um, evolve. Um, that's really, really a huge statement about how, um, how fun and interesting, but also how really great-hearted the uh, domain industry is. Uh, you're, you're good people. Um, what I'm only doing it because I want one of those stars on you know, the Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, oh, we didn't tell you we're doing that in, um, in, in uh, Portugal. We're going to do that at Namescon in the sand. <laughs> okay, I'll, br I'll bring the, the little star mold and a stick to write your name, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you two both, Bill and Brian, you're in. I, I will send you a picture of your star in the sand. Um, uh, what's going on? Shout outs. This was a long show and I appreciate your time. Uh, Bill, what's happening? Any, any domains you have on a brokerage? Anything you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, just, I'm uh, going to be attending uh, a conference in Toronto uh, end of May called Collision, uh, which has been held in different cities around the world. It's, uh, the, the, it's billed as the fastest growing tech conference in the world. Uh, I've been to the version in Vegas uh, four years ago. Uh, and I'll be there uh, networking and running a, a startup naming contest, which we, which we did uh, four years ago, which is fun, uh, which will be on social media. And it's just kind of to, to celebrate good startup names and good startup, well, particularly the names and the domain names as well, the good startup names, just to get, a, get some education and uh, spread the word about and celebrate people that choose good names for their startups. So that's, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. That sounds really cool. I'll watch for that. Um, I want, I want to see that. Uh, nice. Good, good luck and have fun. Uh, Brian, how about you? What's going on at Grit Brokerage? Um, yeah. So I want to give a shout out for, uh, two domains we've got under brokerage right now. The first one is likes.com, L I K E S.com. And pretty much the, uh, the single driving force behind all social media, right? Um, what is it? I think Instagram said they're trying to get away from it, but just a total mistake. I mean, it, it, it drives social media as, uh, as likes. Um, and then the other one is instincts.com, instincts.com. So those are two that we're working on right now. That's a big deal. Congrats for getting those under. Wait, sorry, singular or plural? Instinct? Instincts, plural. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yep. I like it. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, Drew, what's going on? Um, too much. <laughs> um, you know, same old same. I, I, we've got uh, a lot of great names for sale. We, uh, it's been a little bit slower uh, the last couple of months, but this month, uh, you know, the last, let's say two weeks, it's really picked up. Um, I can say that uh, looks like we sold wallstreet.com. Uh, it's in escrow now. It looks like we sold bloom.com. It's in escrow now. Uh, looks like we sold um, uh, 
there's another big one that we just sold. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not on top of my head at the moment. Um, but there's been a, uh, a number of sales and then also a, a number of very big, one, one extremely large acquisition we've made. Um, so it's, uh, the market seems to be heating up. There's been some great activity in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, I always say it's, uh, we've got until July 1st and then the market's going to slow down for 90 days. So it's a full sprint from, from here on till July 1st. Um, if you've got, you know, a top 1% name that you want to sell, we'd love to help you sell it. Um, and, uh, that's it. That's all I got. Nice. Nice. Good for you. Well, um, I don't have a ton going on that I want to share right now, but I will say, I'm surprised you didn't say this, Drew. Uh, like, you know, Media Options um, touches a lot of domain names, and I love postcard.com. We're brokering <laughs> that. Uh, that is uh, one of my top favorite names we've ever brokered. I just, it, it, it just takes me away. Um, so, uh, business in a box, baby. Gotta love those. Big time. Everybody instantly knows what it is and has so many feelings associated with it. Um, you know, still cuts it at the, at the eight letter, uh, mark. Um, but I'm not personally brokering it. I have no reason to be shouting this out except that, <laughs> um, I, I, I want to go there. I, uh, <laughs> A little known fact, my great grandfather was a pioneering British postcard entrepreneur. And, you know, if that, unfortunately, the family business did not get passed down. Uh, but, but if, but if I was in the postcard business or as my great grandfather was, uh, that would be the domain name I'd be going after for sure. Wow. Well, you got the entrepreneurship gene for sure. So, um, Bill, I think you got to step up and buy this just as a tribute to your grandfather. <laughs> we'll give you a good deal. You want a payment plan? <laughs> Not yet. ABC. Final offer. ABC. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I have a project now. I got to go buy some uh, sand molds for our um, award ceremony on the beach. Um, I, I'm sorry, I know I've asked you, but I don't remember who is going to NamesCon Portugal. No, both you guys know. That's it. All right, this year, no. All right. Well, um, you tell us how the Toronto conference is. Brian, I know that we will be seeing you again soon on Sherpa and off. And um, uh, thank you all for, for joining us today. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That's Thanks. great. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, guys. Sorry for